Hello, everyone. This is uh, Office Hours 29, Speak AI. Getting together, it's 12.07 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but happy to be here. A couple people in slightly different locations today, actually three or four in different locations today. Um, so uh, uh, welcome to uh, uh, Office Hours. Nice to see you guys. Thank you, Thank you so much for joining. Um, Interesting. I uh, usually my command has been uh, not a command. I'm not really a commander, to be honest. It was like, uh, if you're coming, you better bring topics. And uh, this week, everyone came with topics and I did, came with none. Uh, so I'm actually quite happy about that. That means that I can uh, maybe uh, listen or uh, not. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> last week, uh, only Nihal and I showed up. I think it was last week. And we broke our chain of fingers going up. Uh, it was getting complex, so the tradition is dead. I'm sorry for anyone who liked Maths our... is getting complex here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, nice. you, you know, maybe at one point, it's like once we're on office hours, 100, and we have... Uh, okay, that's not probably going to... The timeline's not going to work where it's like we have 100 employees and it's a, office hours, 100. It's probably not going to quite happen that quick and we all hold up. Sounds like a good, good, good goal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, uh, that'd be... It's a, still uh, 60, 60, <laughs> okay. 80 more weeks. Okay. All right. All right. There we go. So we'll, we'll, aim, we'll aim for that. Um, I guess let's go quick round of uh, intros, and then we'll jump into uh, some some topics here. So quickly, Tyler Tyler Bryden. Uh, wait, who? Wait a minute. Uh, today I am in Mount Bridges. I am at uh, home. I would say in my hometown uh, outside of, from from London. Uh, I'm really interested in right now. It's like I mean I'm always interested in this, but like data visualization and like one of these metaphors that we've been talking about is like how do you find like gold? How do you find insights? And I had spent a lot of time in that doing it for analytics data for marketing, but really trying to find that in language and apply that to cross, you know, still marketing and media, but also in research in some really interesting places to speak. So glad to be fostering that and uh, working with some great people to make that happen. And that includes uh, uh, you three. Beautiful. Okay, I'm I'm glad to uh, back on the office hours this week. Uh, uh, last week last week was a very busy one this week uh, because working on some complex thing here for for the better speak platform. Uh, I'm Vatsal Sai. I'm CTO at Speakia and working on uh, the different technologies from IoT, voice, and the AI and machine learning. And uh, last week very focused on the development and uh, very happy and satisfied. Uh, with the work and the, the time I invested uh, to make it better. So I'm very excited to, to see how it's going to flourish in, in the near future uh, when we grow the team. So, so I'm very excited about, uh, about things, what's going on right now. Hey, I'm Lauren. I'm the uh, counselor admin here. And uh, speaking about growing the team, we're uh, getting into the slows of uh, investing and uh, investing mostly to expand the team just because we have lots of work coming up and uh, it's kind of difficult to do with you know four or five people here so yeah lots of uh, lots of discussions of who we need and uh, who we want to get into cool. Cool. and then uh, I'm Nihal uh, digital strategist here at speak um, yeah currently well past week or so uh, been making quite a few changes on our making some of our processes efficient and uh, a lot more uh, landing page creation. Um, also somewhat distracted and saddened by the fact that we used to have a lake across like from my window and uh, guess what's being built there instead? Massive tower? No, Apartment building? Pro pro probably lot. like more dead townhouses. I, I lose access to my swans and ducks and I'm get sorry. to look at ugly houses instead. So that's great. Question for you. 
Yes. What are, are, are the swans there? Are they always in couples or are they individual? Uh, I've seen couples, but it's normally individual. It's good. To know. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm in an ongoing battle. Okay. Okay. Swans apparently mate for life. So they're supposed to be in couples, but sometimes yeah. you just see these lonely swans. Mm -hmm. uh, and <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Check that out before they kick them out and let me know. Report back. I'm in a battle about this with someone. Uh, <laughs> Uh, okay, well, you know, Neil, you uh, you came uh, loaded up with topics here, so I'm going to let you, uh, you know, we'll we'll make sure everyone gets in, but maybe you're you're, you're one that's most uh, lighting the most fire for you want to, you wanting to discuss uh, that list that you gave. That's helpful. Sure, sure, yeah. So um, I think how we can maybe structure it is we can start with kind of the building in public, and then since you know we talk about implementations, we can talk about the kind of b2b integrations and then past that point uh we can look at lawrence topics and maybe hit that bootstrapping point at the end if we can get to it cool so uh i guess just to start when it comes to building in public because this is something we've discussed a couple times uh but you know the, the past because i think by the time we brought it up we kind of got thrown into the thick of raising and you know meeting with investors and all this stuff but i think it's important for us to figure out a way for, you know, uh, either you, Tyler, or the like a, the team in general to find a way to engage more in public conversations, uh, engage more with just sharing what we're doing, the good, the bad, you know, the ugly, um, and building a, a, a sense of people, like a, a community of people around what we're building as well. And just, you know, I think people in the startup space uh, and the young, you know, bootstrap company space, they're very interested in seeing how other companies are doing as well. Um, and we can all learn from each other by sharing what we're going through. And, you know, for example, uh, your chat with uh, Faisal yesterday, which was apparently like very insightful for us. We want the opportunity to have more of those as well. So, you know, um, how do we go about that? And, you know, I, I think right now Twitter is founder land. Like most founders either live on Twitter or like a personal blog of some kind. And, you know, how, how do we fit that into like maybe your daily responsibilities or Vassal's daily responsibilities? And how does that, you know, how, how do maybe Lauren and I support on that front as well? I mean, Twitter is definitely the dominant one. And when you think of, you know, at least, you know, the, the story that every, like a lot of people in entrepreneurship following right now is, and I, I should know his name specifically, but Paul, I believe Paul Jacobian from uh, Copy A. I'm sorry if I got that name wrong. I don't know if I was even close, to be honest. No, that was right. That was yeah. Right. Okay. All right. You know, and, and it's, it's interesting, right? Because there's a layer of authenticity when it comes from the person itself. Like, I think it's hard for, you know, people are actually, even there was a thread yesterday on it about building in public being come part of the marketing strategy, but unless it is done from like that intentional approach and actually like it's not like a, a bolted on strategy uh then it's probably not going to have the same impact and i would also say that there are there are a lot of people who build in public that are not successful either too right like there, there's a couple like just like everything in our lives there's these outliers that we see or we see the very public facing visible um sort of ones who are being successful but we don't see the the one guy who's been, you know, developing these awesome little tools for four years, 
and shares on Twitter and he has 12 followers and no one pays attention, even though he's doing awesome stuff. So I think there's like that sort of part that um, uh, plays a part into it. And then there's like one other thing I found, which I, I'm still working through. First of all, I struggle with Twitter. I don't know why I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a browser on Twitter, but I do not publish. But like, I guess, depending on what kind of company you're doing, how much transparency is too much transparency or if there's data sensitivity around some of the companies that you're working with like what are your, then your responsibilities because you know maybe it's say in marketing or media maybe it's easier if you get a customer to talk about that because everyone's doing that but if you're doing you know research or you're doing these things all of a sudden it becomes much more you know sort of intense the responsibility is bigger and also if you're managing that do you are you putting a, a sort of, not, I, I don't know, that's probably a very crude way to say it, but like put a target on your, sh on your shoulders or on your head by sharing this, you know, those kind of successes. Uh, so I, 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 I mean, overall, I think we're actually a very transparent company. And that was some of the feedback from Faisal, who's a wonderful person who has took a, a very specific, you know, interest and willingness to want to support our company be, because we've done that through these office hours. He says he loves office hours with companies, but no company has really just, had it in a conversation like this, where you literally do see the progression and how, you, how we're looking at product, how we're solving problems, happy moments, frustrations, all the things that come along with this sort of weekly routine that we set up and something I'm so grateful that we've done. So um, no solution, no, I didn't answer any of the questions there anyhow, but just a couple of things around it that I'm, I've been thinking about as well. Yeah, my first thought was around it's like okay, what type of what type of uh, categories or what type of company is uh, as we because let's say if we are building in a public, it depends. Let's say if we are building something related to the copy.ai, uh, there's nothing that much sensitive informations we are gonna publish or we are gonna talk about. So that's that's a one category. It's like the first question I would ask is like, okay, what type of information would you like to share uh, publicly by making sure we don't hit any compliances issues or anything related to that. The second part we initiated in terms of the indie hacker, but lately, I think so in last three or four months, nothing much updated over there on the indie hacker. And we see a quite bit of not, I would say the traffic or quality leads, but yes, the, the, there was some tractions when we initiated that part. So the indie hacker is really good one in terms of the having the people who work in the startup environment or having that uh, openly publicly building the companies. And the third part is like, which we, which we, doing uh, quite a bit from last 29 weeks, which is like, of course, the office hours, uh, where we still talk about uh, different things, which Tyler already touched upon. Uh, but let's say, okay, building in public, but is there any objective? Or do we want to share our lessons, which we learn throughout the process? Or even let's say if Tyler is talking with investors, uh, and even I, I sometimes hop on a call, is like, what are the things which we learned personally? We have all in the written, notes where we would like to improve or you must have uh, when you when you do your second round let's say right so those are the learning relations are really helpful to be honest for someone who is who's who's just started and that might save six months a year a year and a half uh, of their of their business plan timeline I would, I would say we're sort of like also like building in publicly in public privately, uh, which may mean, I guess what that means is like we're sending out quarterly updates and yeah. even like monthly updates to people who have opted into following the company. And, uh, you know, that's an interesting 
journey in, in itself. And, um, you know, we've, a lot of amazing relationships have been built just by sharing those updates. And we continually try to figure out how to optimize those. Like, you know, my, 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 the fear, I think, this is the fear that comes from building in public is, and it's something that I think you need to get over. Um, but you look around and sometimes you see like, even people who are building in public and like, you know, people are very good at selectively picking metrics or, you know, showing growth, um, but no one wants to show where the things are going wrong. Or for example, what if you like, just, just for us, for example, we're on a great pace for signups this month, but you know, if we're going to do, if we do the monthly update next this month, even though we're on a great pace, we might be skewed because last month, a person, a hundred person team signed up. And so we had a huge spike in users. And then what if that growth isn't the exact same, you know, the same, uh, you know, growth that you want to see. And it's like, it, as a, 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 one of the owners of the company and also looking to like rate, you know, fundraise and, you know, make a good impression on relate on investors and stuff, which really, you know, is not that fun of a place to be in, but it's important and crucial. It's like, they want to see positive numbers of growth. So how do you deal with that? And then how do you, um, when you're building in public, I guess, account for the negatives or not necessarily the negatives, but maybe growth that doesn't match the projections of, for example, uh, a venture company or things like that. Those are just some of the things that I'm thinking about as we prepare at the end of the month here, you know, as we loom towards the end of the month with great metrics overall, but, you know, um, maybe um, not the same growth that even we had seen last month compared to the one before kind of thing. I was thinking on that subject, um, maybe it just matters of, you know, what's the proper audience that we're trying to get to, and maybe like Twitter isn't the uh, the best medium of getting to them. Just thinking about like how we're mostly catering towards people of like an interest in like research of an interest in um, uh, technology and things like that. And uh, maybe like, what's the character limit for Twitter? And it's like a couple hundred, maybe you can't really get to send the message you want to the right people with just that amount and maybe it's more of like you need more of a visual um you know transference of ideas uh we do play with you know visuals quite a bit with all of our graphs and whatnot um so maybe there's probably a better medium for that um even just uh, i'm not even sure if it's just a matter of picking out a different social media altogether or if it's just a matter of you know developing a better blog and uh focusing more on you know um, you know, exploring and teaching and uh, <clears throat> just sharing knowledge. Um, and to me, I don't know if this is answering your question. I just don't think that Twitter is a really great way to share, you know, complex ideas. I feel like Twitter is more aligned towards, you know, sharing your opinion on the latest news, which is just kind of, you know, throwing a pebble into the sea. It's just kind of, um, I don't know. It's good for some people, but for what we're trying to do, I feel like you have to, you know, expand quite a bit more and explain ourselves quite a bit more. And uh, I don't know, I'm just trying to think of like different social media that's good for that. I guess LinkedIn is kind of good just because it's more of a, uh, a hotbed for, you know, people focused on their work and their research and stuff like that. Whereas Twitter is a bit more casual in a way. I don't know. I, I think it ties more into you know how because uh, like I, I do agree with some of your points regarding you know target audience and uh, explaining the ideas behind it but you know at the same time I've seen people ex maybe not 
entirely, but there are people that will discuss complex topics. The problem with Twitter is it's like, you know, if you're explaining a complex topic, now it turns into like a 10 tweet thread, right? Like you, you, you to say, you know, 400 words, you need to scroll for like five minutes, right? Um, but uh, I, I guess when it comes to building in public, to me, the way I view it over anything else, uh, even beyond just a company, it's it's more an exercise in personal branding. And uh, as much as I hate this term, you know, thought leadership, right? Because <laughs> uh, for me, I, I've, you know, if we're talking about just human psychology and people, people will buy snake oil from a really good salesman, right? But it's like, what if you're a really good salesman or salesperson and you aren't selling snake oil, right? Won't, won't that be appreciated by like a target audience, right? And I guess part of this is me thinking more from my like, I guess like PR and like corporate communications background where it's how do we, you know, get our company leadership in front of more eyes? Because at the end of the day, like investors, sure, they invest in product, they invest in an idea, for example, right? But a lot of times they're also just investing in the team. Right. Yep. And I think you've, you've heard that from like, for, for example, from past applications like Y Combinator and stuff, they'll ask you, what other ideas do you have? Right. Because to them, it's like, even if we don't like this one idea, if we like you, we're, you know, more likely to take a chance uh, on you. Right. So uh, I, I guess to a degree, it's also how do we amplify our voices as leaders in the space um, in, in maybe a more, you know, advanced way for more advanced audience um, while still making it accessible to the public right so that's that's where the the difficulty comes because the people that want to hear from Vatsol, for example are probably very different from the people that want to hear from tyler right so um yeah just just something for us to think about because it's hard i find as a you know you're doing investor calls for like let's say you know 20 hours a week um can you really find time to write like a, you know, 500, 600 word post for your LinkedIn, right? Um, so it's like, how do we go about simplifying that process? Especially a good one, you know, like not just a throwaway, exactly. uh, you know, no exactly. thought here. I saw a really interesting tweet. Someone said your first 10,000 tweets are just testing, um, which is really interesting. Um, I think, you know, Lauren, there's something that we've continually had to strive towards as a team, which is like, Yes, we're doing complex things, but if we can't communicate it succinctly in short messages, then we're actually failing. So I think that there's actually a practice for us to be able to try and do that. And also just, you know, what you touched on something nice, Lauren, there too, was like um, the educational part that adds peripheral, I don't know if the word right there is peripheral value, but like around some of the work that we're doing. So like, what's a huge one that I know I've spent a lot of time on, and it's actually helped us land contracts is how do you get good audio quality or, you know, what are limitations of recording through this microphone versus that microphone or, you know, what, like, it, you know, even it's that's maybe boring to some people, but not to other people, but uh, different file types that uh, lend to better speech to text. You know what I mean? Like these are maybe, you know, again, very niche topics, but they're ones that we spent a lot of time investigating to set up. And we've seen patterns and signals in the past that by, 
caring about that stuff, it actually gives a lot of confidence in people that they are working with people, you know, who are experts in this, who have spent a lot of time trying to set people up for success. So not everything's connected, but I mean, Vatsal's done some incredible work on, you know, whether it's challenges in creating like, um, you know, like mobile compatible uh, recording and the difficulties of that on different devices and browsers and things like these are huge challenges that people are trying to solve. And if we can show, you know, how, not only how we solve them, but the process that went into them, um, there's a lot of trust that's built up of these are like well-intentioned, hardworking people solving complex things. And, you know, that's what we want to be known as. Like, there's nothing better than what I think we've had recently where it's like people come to us, they know they're dealing with media, dealing with language, and they have a problem and we solve the problem. Like that's what makes me happy every single day is when we can solve a problem for someone. Yeah, and it's like, on that point, I, I have like 25 list of items which I, I wanted to write uh, on the different blog posts, which is like sitting, right now sitting on a travel. Uh, it, it is just more about, it's like, okay, you, you just don't want to publish, you just also want to publish the, the quality blog. Uh, let's say, and it's like not just have the quantity, just so like quantity versus quality idea. It's like, then if, if I want to write the, the quality, it's like I had a challenge, it's like write one blog a week. And, uh, but it's sometimes hard, sometimes okay to manage it. Uh, but, but yeah, it's like then it also helps us to drive the business, like by looking at also on those technical articles, like, oh, whoa, this product does support this challenge. I had the same issue, which I also found on dev.to. The one of the article was on the recorder, and that person had the same technical issue. And if if you if if I had uh, which I did, I put the comment on them. It's like, hey, here's the speaker, and this is what we support to. It's like these are the problems we found, and we might see some traffic also from there. So it's also more not just about the business. Every time it is also more about supporting the community, supporting people and helping them at the same time by building in public. The way that I copped out with I was doing writing at the start end of the year and started this year was like, this is, I would put a little sub note. I remember you saw it, that's all my blog where it was like, this is a work in progress. Yes, I'll be back yes. to improve this later. Yeah. <laughs> and like, a lot of those were sometimes just pretty rough thoughts, but some of those pages have actually driven hundreds and hundreds of people to my personal site uh, and actually some people are spending like eight, 10 minutes on those pages. So there's something of value there, even if it's a rough thought, then, you know, the way that you think, or the way that I think, or I mean, anyone here on our team, like, even if you can get a, a skeleton or some loose structure into a blog post and then come and iterate back on it, especially if it picks up traction is still a worthwhile, uh, endeavor, but I'm with you on like making the time and between, you know, trying to work out, and keep the bot, you know, like all these things that allow you to try to be like a high performer every day amongst also the company and have trying to have some sort of personal life and all this stuff. It's it's tough, but you also can't make excuses. And I think that the part is like yes. the people who I've seen be most successful seem to have a routine of constant creation. Uh, and, and that's something that I've struggled to do. I really have found it a challenge, but like I ask myself, you know, imagine if I had written a blog post a day, even if 50% had gone on TylerBryden.com and 50% had gone on SpeakAI, like imagine how much of a difference that would have made now if it, that had compounded. And, uh, you know, you can only, you can't do go back, but you can only start now and you can only try uh, to, to move forward. I think what really helps you to uh, uh, stay consistent with like creating anything um, is to do it with someone else too. 
uh, we've been doing this for about 30 weeks straight now. And uh, I think it was just, uh, just Tyler, you know, talking to himself every day or every week, rather. Uh, he probably would have given up after a couple of weeks, but uh, just uh, keeping, you know, everybody accountable to each other. Everybody's wanting to, um, you know, grow and create, even though we're just kind of shooting shit talking here. Um, it's still extremely helpful just to have, you know, some feedback constantly too. Even after we're done with these uh, these office hours, we're kind of talking about, oh, that was a good one. Oh, something went wrong there and, uh, and stuff like that. And yeah, it's just... Um, it's just definitely helpful to not be alone in it and to, uh, you know, constantly be growing together in a way. Thank you. Underestim underestimate, first of all, how much I love the sound of my own voice. So that's one thing. Um, but <laughs> the second one too is like, we actually, we put it out in public, right? We, we said yeah. we we're going to do these office hours and, and then like we, you know, like shamefully, we missed one because we had our team get together. And I felt horrible about that for a whole week. I was like, we, I felt like we had just like betrayed this non-existent maybe audience, but it's still in my head because we had put it out there publicly. And it's one of those things that we've seen applications try to, you know, capitalize on and do is like put something out there in public and commit to it and then do it consistently and also schedule the time in advance uh, so that you, there's no way around it. So, um, you know, Nihal, I know we probably got a little bit off your topic, but one of the things I think, you know, is something out there, if, if, if we're taking this approach, putting that building in public is a really good accountability tool um, for you as well, too. And uh, for us, the fact that we're prioritizing certain metrics and communicating that to people who are interested in our company, it makes us make sure that we're focusing on the things that matter most. And then also debugging or, you know, strategizing around why something went right or why something went wrong um, too. So lots of great stuff that's come out from this process. And I think it's a topic continually worth, you know, worthwhile to readdress and just finding the best channels and strategies to execute on it, uh, on it best. Beautiful. Wow. Okay. I felt uh, wrapped up. Uh, uh, okay. So um, oh, I think, you know, I mean, Michal, you have another topic, which yeah. I think sort of, I think we can just hop right into it at point, point two. Um, uh, if you want to share anything, I guess, from your perspective, one thing quickly that Faisal said, and I hope Faisal, if Faisal watches this one, thank you, Faisal. Um, he also, he, he, it was funny, he did that presentation, but he didn't realize he had his webcam off. So he was just this dark figure the entire video. <laughs> Um, but uh, uh, oh, I almost swore. I forget what I was going to say. I got too excited. Um, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Nihal. I lost it. <laughs> uh, the, the question Nihal had is like, what about, okay, when does it more make sense to uh, do the customizations for, uh, let's say, B2C or B2B? And, uh, and what, what, what are those contract deals uh, make sense even for us to invest time let's say from the support from the business or from even the development and we do have a couple of requests on the the customizing the whole white label solution for a company and uh, what's the deal size or how much they would like to invest in a product uh, and uh, and at the same time how much do we want to support uh, so Nihal, i'll get back to you it's like okay what are your thoughts uh, on, on on this uh so I think the big one, it also ties, I think a little bit into your idea of, you know, integrations and opportunities with more B2B clients versus maybe individuals looking for specific solutions. Uh, and 
you know, because obviously there's the, um, when someone signs up for the platform uh, and uses the platform uh, as is, because technically that's the service you're paying for, right? It's, we built something, you're paying to use this thing we've built. Um, but then also us being a team that likes to, you know, innovate and likes to build things for uh, individuals or teams, how, how do we uh, maybe prioritize or even determine which uh, customization requests are worth working on that actually contribute to the growth of the platform? Uh, and, you know, what's more just like we're doing you a solid, right? Like, what, what, like we're just trying to help you achieve this problem, which is fine. But can is that a cycle we can sustain um, forever? Because at that point, it, it almost would seem that we need to have, you know, a, a section of our team dedicated to just kind of app improvements and platform improvements, and a section that works on, you know, custom integration. And that that part of the organization would probably almost behave more like an agency versus a software um, company, right? Like that, that, that part of the business. So just wondering how do we balance the two? And if we'll, if we need to in a way, cause it's, it's like if the, you know, if the platform by itself becomes successful enough, do we even need um, to do custom implementations unless they're huge contracts, right? Like if, sure, if someone pays us 50K to build them a custom solution, we'll take that job, right? But if someone's just paying for, let's say, a force plan, right, like a thousand or ninety-nine bucks a month, um, how much support do we provide uh, at that level as well, right? That that goes beyond like software support. Obviously, if it's improving the platform because something's broken, that's one thing. But if it's it's in a way, can you help us adapt the platform to fit our needs better? Uh, to me, that almost becomes like. Uh, you know, like a dev side cost, where it's how, yes. how much, how much do we charge for dev work, for example? Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, the first thought I have is like, for example, it depends on the deal size too. Let's say if that's a $50,000 contract for let's say six months, then, okay. Then what it indicates that platform doesn't support any of their needs. The platform doesn't have any of those functionality. That means either the objective or, or what they want to achieve uh, is out of the scope maybe because how come after working on two and a half year three years now uh, the platform doesn't support and they need to pay fifty thousand dollar contract the fifty thousand dollar contract does make sense if they want to do the five-year deal and they want to access x number of audio video hours or maybe the other different integrations uh, that makes sense the third part is okay the platform support 80 percent of their needs but 20 percent of needs needs to be addressed in next two months. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, we got some timeline. We got, we are also not changing the drastically, the priority also on the business end and also on the development end. And the, let's say the last piece is, uh, for example, if those integrations and also let's say the custom development needs more work, then, then we need some other team, right? Because with a small team, those questions really doesn't matter because either, I am working on the technical or either team is working on, on those changes. So we do know our, let's say the sprints, we do know our timeline and we can quickly adjust those things. But let's say if you're talking with the 15 people or 30 people, I have my cousin here and he's working at a large uh, team and it's like how hundreds of people, six project manager, 
nine BA, uh, 15 developers. So now then it goes to, the, goes to the team by team. And they also have the different teams who is working on front end, who is working on back end, who is working database. Then you need the coordination, understand what's going on in each department. That definitely takes, let's say six months and maybe 100K contract. Because that's what we have the benefit right now, which we can move fast, help companies and get the deal done. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, I, I don't really think that needs a lot of brainstorming because if, if the needs are aligned with our, our pipeline, which we already want to build and which we have sort of a to-dos on our, on our board, then yeah, let's, let's just readjust a little bit of those things. And I think that we also touch upon this customization. So on the recorder end, it's like how we converted the opportunity or the demand or the request to for other users to at the same time. Just, you know, I, I remember what Faisal did say to me, which was like a lot of software companies are just a, a facade for professional services company. You know what I mean? And the software is just like basically, a, you know, input or a lead channel for that. And, you know, that, that especially seems to happen as you get into larger deal sizes, but then you do see other sizes of contracts or the way people are pricing software platforms where the whole point is it becomes a self-serve platform and all the work goes into documentation and building things into the platform intuitively so that the professional services size or customization or massive amounts of support is not needed. And like, you know, $50,000 um, can sound great, but $50,000 could also be horrible, you know, if you don't manage that right, or you commit to something, or you you take something into a direction that doesn't, again, benefit other users on the platform. And that's one thing that, as I talked to a friend who is really in a, you know, a growth mode for their company, highly venture back, talk about them having to turn away significant contracts because it didn't fit into the thesis of their company. And, uh, and that was a very hard thing for them to do, but basically their responsibility is as a software company is that if it doesn't scale, then we can't take this on even how good the money seems uh, at the time. Um, so there's definitely some things to consider from the sort of custom implementation bearing that. I think, you know, there is something really interesting about other thing that we've seen, which is, do we spend our time optimizing the current system and making it work better? Or do we add more functionality and iterate based off what people say that they want? And that's a continuous trade-off that we're making. And just one other part to that is like, sometimes we just get these one-off requests or support. And when you're like, especially when you're in the initial stages, you're really trying to help the company, you're really trying to like either close a contract or just like have a successful onboarding. Uh, but, you know, even that small task I've already can see can like spiral out of control in the amount that it takes. So like I could say, hey, you know, uh, can someone says, hey, do you need to do this? And I say, okay, well, I can help with the first part, but then I need to ask Lauren for a little bit of support. And then I need Tim to do something. And then, you know, if the whole thing can't go through until that's all, then approves it and pushes it. So it's like a small request that seemed like it was just a little thing to just make help actually took a combined four hours of work from the team. And that's expensive. You know, everyone here's time is valuable. 
you know, uh, we have limited resources and, um, you know, and even and, and the weight of context shifting uh, or switching can be pretty detrimental if you're focused on something else and all of a sudden you're taking out of it for a task that came out of nowhere. So lots of things that uh, have consequences when you do custom work or even say yes to anything <laughs> uh, that I've seen a lot recently. Uh, yeah, custom implementations kind of makes sense in like the early stage, especially when it comes to like from our bootstrapping. It's just it doesn't matter of like a return on investment because we put like two and a half, three years uh, of work into the software, and um, it's we've gotten some uh, some good subscriptions getting going, but it's not really exactly paying the bills. Um, so the custom implementation is just good to, um, you know put a little bit of time and get a decent payback from it. But it's also, you have to think about how far you go into it too, because there's then opportunity costs that we're, uh, we're losing out on, because this is a time that could be going towards uh, developing the software even more. And uh, as far as like profitability, as far as, you know, becoming uh, a unicorn, if you will, or, you know, millions and millions of ARR, it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of work and a lot of manpower to just get to that just based on custom implementations, but uh, where software is, you know, beneficial is that you can put a lot of work and then people pay you without you having to interact with them. They're kind of paying for your product as opposed to your services. Um, so that's an extremely important for scaling uh, over time. Uh, and it's probably why software is so damn popular nowadays because um, you can, you know, make a lot of money with very little costs with very little uh with very little manpower the little um, is too expensive sorry. <laughs> the little uh, is too expensive <laughs> but, uh, the what uh, with the little team the little word little is too expensive in terms of the the manpower the software the people cost uh, that is very expensive too at the same time yeah right. uh, it depends it depends on what uh, software you're building exactly and what kind of uh, specialties you need within the team um, but yeah, it depends on a lot of different things there, I suppose. Um, but it just makes sense for us because we did try to go the bootstrapping route. Um, if we, you know, just took investment right away, um, we could have just said, you know, screw custom implementations. We're just going straight for software. Probably going to be in the red for a few years, but then, you know, so long as, you know, our predictions of the market and the demand for the product, uh, syncs up with our expectations. Um, it's definitely worth it, but I don't know. It's definitely much of a, a balancing act. I'm sure that when we get into investments, we're going to be much, 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 much more uh, pickier about our custom implementations that we want to do. Even at the same time, that helps even to scale the product, right? We are adding also the features which make sense even for the users. We so the custom implementations is also linked with what features we are introducing to the product. Uh, let's say we just we just integrated with Intercom for the support. And if you see that's very complex tool, and do you think that they build from the day one? Absolutely not. They understand what users are asking for, and then they integrated the whole product and build inbound, outbound, messaging, test, email automation, banner, everything. So that at the same time, that helped us to not create the complex product, I would say, but the product which supports the user's needs. And that solves the, obviously the time either or the cost. So one of them, we, we are, let's say, we are saving 
time, which is the tool is expensive, but at the same time, we are saving the time and having that organization structure to support our customers. So the same thing for the speak is like gonna benefit the customers in the future is to have all these features in build from this custom implementation journey. So I see with that lens, that's create more opportunities, scaling the product, having more features. No, I, would, I wouldn't say the features, it's more about the solutions, which can help them to do more work efficiently. I think we've also had moments where we've been asked to do something that doesn't make sense with our roadmap or our product. And it's been pretty clear to the entire team that it doesn't make sense. So I think that is our text to speech. Yes. It's like text to speech. Yes, which, uh, you know, uh, yes, I don't know if that's a coincidence that you're mentioning that or uh, not, but, you know, that's something that... <laughs> Basically, right now, what we are doing is like sort of a speech to text. Right now, the whole engine is running on the speech to text, and we are trying to do some more analysis. But if someone asks at this point today, it's like, oh, can you do uh, the text to speech? Just create the different clone voice. It's like, that is not the whole concept. Or even if yeah. they are trying to pay 100K contract, that is... Maybe right now, not maybe it's out of the scope yeah. for the current pipeline. You know, the, the part that I've heard, you know, really nicely from, you know, good feedback from investors. And then also uh, from Faisal yesterday and stuff too, is like, you know, wrapping around anything that you do around, you know, a measurable return on investment or again, problem that you're solving for customers. So like for us, before we even ask, you know, do we want to implement this? I think like the checkbox that I'm starting to think about is like, does this, save time for a customer, therefore decreasing costs of the work that they're doing? Or, you know, is it actually potentially increasing the revenue um, for our customer? And that one's a little bit more difficult sometimes specifically with our product, but, you know, we've tied, for example, transcripts to SEO. Like there's lots of ways that we can do that, but if we start to really make sure that we're hitting that checkbox for creating true value, especially through an organizational or business lens, then it will also prioritize and deprioritize certain requests that are coming our way. So I think that that's been uh, an important thing to talk about because one of, again, like one of the constant things is great. The system is incredible, but the value proposition that you're communicating to your customers or still people digging in and saying like, why do your customers value this so much? And the truth is, it's like, it is saving them. It's a crap ton of time. And, uh, you know, either crap to time maneuvering through media and searching through it, or that if for them to figure out this problem, they were going to have to hire a whole development team and figure out, and it would cost a ton of time and money anyways. So like there's, we need to make sure that we're wrapping around those things. If we're going to continue on to articulate our message and why we built the system in a compelling way. Um, so does this answer where we're we here right now? We're at, oh yeah, 1249, holy crap. Yep. Um, uh, we've got a couple more pieces uh, in here. Uh, I guess, Lauren, you brought up the bootstrapping, um, which was also what I mean, Nihal addressed on. This is a big topic. So um, I don't know uh, how much we'll get through because I would like to get the couple other pieces in here, but maybe we can touch lightly on this and revisit in the future, which is, something that you touched on, Lauren, which is, you know, you can go score raise money right away. But I just listened to a great conversation from James Pachera from Tilt and then Justin Kahn, who <coughs> created Twitch. Both of them burned through $70 million. Uh, James for Tilt. Tilt ultimately 
it was acquired, but was not considered a successful acquisition. Um, and uh, and Justin Kahn's last business just shut down completely. So talk about the risk of actually just injecting cash into the business at the start, because it doesn't make you be lean. And it doesn't make you actually have to solve real problems, uh, which is one thing that's really interesting. So cash, he says, is basically just an, ex- uh, I hate this word, but just exaggerates, exasperates, but God damn it. Uh, all the, pro- all the, all the solutions, like all the problems or the solutions that you have money is not the problem solver uh, of a lot of things especially in this kind of environment and then from another perspective if you're a founder or you're early on a company and you say have equity in it uh you know one of your main goals is not to overly dilute your company and lose control of your company and so if you go too early some of the feedback we get is we're still a young, you know, a young team with not multiple exit founders who came from Uber, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and it's like, if we had came up with just a concept and no traction, um, a comp- uh, the only way, for example, for us to get a good investment, even would probably be, they take 50% of the company. Uh, and, you know, and then you're now even building something that you don't even have full control of. And so I think there's benefits to bootstrapping. A lot of people would in their ideal world love to, figure out if they could just bootstrap a company all the way to success. But I think that's not necessarily reasonable or possible sometimes with the way that we're approaching what we're building and what we truly want to build as a team. It's, it's not just a simple widget uh, or, you know, a service business that you can bootstrap. Um, uh, and we've seen the ramifications from my own perspective, the dilution of focus that comes from bootstrapping and trying to, you know, balance for me trying to do service work to then balance with the dev work that we're doing and trying to scale software. And I think recently we've seen growth in our software, first of all, because c- it's, gotten to a tipping point and being valuable. Nihal has helped on marketing, but also I've been able to more focus on sales specifically around software instead of custom stuff. And all that's now accumulated to a spot where things are trending and putting us into a spot where maybe bootstrapping is no longer the ideal because we want to bring really good people onto the team. We want to scale up the marketing. We see an engine is working. We're getting signups when we're not talking to anyone, when it's just sitting out there at night, we wake up every day and there's more people in the system than the day before. And so there's also enough signals for us to want to make that investment and also not dilute our company horribly and be taken advantage of on bad, bad terms. I would say even a level of education that our team has now about dealing with investors and what this looks like is important. So, um, I think bootstrapping is very viable and I, you know, in an idealistic world is something amazing to accomplish, but, um, depending on the situation, it's not always possible. And also I feel like for myself, there's a responsibility to pay back the team who's invested in so much. And sometimes that requires you going this route. So a couple of reasons why I think we're sort of in the situation we're at uh, now. I find bootstrapping is a very good way of uh, gaining perspective on the company you're trying to build. Uh, I feel like if you have, you know, just a huge injection of cash, just right at the beginning, you're not, uh, you're not really going to have an understand uh, an understanding of you know, all of your expenses and like the kind of work that needs to be going into to generate some sort of revenue to just keep it at least uh, profitable, you know, breaking even. Uh, bootstrapping really helps you to understand, um, you know, the kind of work that's really necessary uh, for even just, you know, you to live on like, uh, like a small scale and then like what uh, will be necessary for you to um, advance to the next level, you know. Uh, whether or not that's size or whether or not that's technology or um 
I would love to bootstrap forever. It's a lot easier. It's a lot less, uh, yeah. a lot less work having to deal with. It's a lot of stress at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's about it's, uh, it's trading stress for stress. It just depends on what kind of stress you want to live with. That's exactly, exactly it. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people who went bootstrap and then got funding and said they couldn't believe they bootstrapped. It was you know uh, a torturous process. But then people who took on investment who didn't do it the right way also yeah. said they wish they had never taken on that investment. So I think it's just about making the compromises in the right place and doing doing it the right way. But my, my very basic question is like at any any stage, why do you need more money? It's like let's say if you're in the stage, we do need some money to do X, Y, and Z to get the compliances or to have more people to support other other customers or maybe the, on the marketing and sales side so you can reach out to the more people. But let's say if you think uh, two years back, it's like okay, we might have the different scale, but at the same time, do we know the real core pieces of uh, the problem which we want to address on the next day. Yes, we, which we have the reason and the mission about what we are trying to accomplish. And we reached, is like you said, is like to that, uh, the tipping point is like, okay, now everything is hitting or making sense to everyone. It's like before I was so frustrated because I was getting so much questions or at the same time about why do we have X? Why do we have Y on the platform? But because I also personally see that this is important to have one in the three months because I see that's coming, that request is coming and that, that happened all the time so far. And that's gonna absolutely happen in the future too. So it is more about why do we need money and when instead of we need money. Just, just quickly, cause I know Nihal was the one who brought this topic up. So i make sure he gets his some insights in here, but just like, it's felt so good. Even in that email thread that we were part of today, that's where it's like, someone asked the question about, you know, how to manage this. And it's like the whole system's already built to do that. You know what I mean? And to have something there that we, you know, had predicted that was going to be important and, and was solved the ma a major, you know, part of a process or a project or a company, you know, onboarding successfully. And it feels good to have things in place and it feels like we're in the right spot then. Um, and then when we get re when we get multiple requests from different customers, about the same thing. I think that's when you start to have the signal of, okay, we're in the right space. We can invest because I think, yeah, like you said, a year and a half ago. Oops, I think uh, he first year. Yeah. Or just thinking very hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we need to kick him, though I, I don't have that. No, I think he, if, he he's- If he uh, leaves, will it end the call? No, no, no. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, well, I guess. Yeah. Any other thoughts, Michal, on this point? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess to to the point about pre predictive versus. I mean, I mean, from the bootstrapping perspective, obviously the pressure there is, you know, uh, if if you go, you know, if if the company doesn't work out, it's all from your pocket, right? Essentially, as like co-founders or founders, like I'm sure. Uh, there's been money put into the system from you know your end, like uh, from. So, how do you reduce your personal risk um, while still, I guess, not not really putting yourself in a risky place from a business perspective as well? Um, so, just a thought on that front. So, sort of a bet on what what do you think and what exactly. do you believe? Uh, yeah. um, and I, I guess with the bootstrap, you know, when it comes to bootstrapping. Uh, 
you know, at the end of the day, do people care? like that's one thing I've thought about is like, does anyone apart from like other startup founders, like, do they really care about whether your company's like booster? I mean, investors, I do think have a certain level of like, I don't know if I want to say respect for the fact if you can get to a reasonable like revenue rate, right, with with just your own funding, like just funding out of your own pocket. Um, but but it is it's definitely something to think about, and you know, does bootstrapping maybe limit the amount of innovation you can do at a reliable pace, or you know, is it just more of a matter of slow growth versus trying to you know, shoot for the moon every single day? You have a lot more control over your investment exactly. when you're just bootstrapping. Exactly. Like say you have $100,000 and you can either throw that into Tesla and you can just sit on that and just wait and hope that he doesn't smoke weed on Joe Rogan again. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> or you can put $100,000 into your own company and the company's going to do as well as, you know, how, as so your company's going to do as well as how hard you work mm-hmm. apparently necessarily, yep. or how good of a market you're in, how good of a product, how good of an idea you have. It's all, it's like putting your investment more on yourself, an investment of more money and time as opposed to just um, essentially <laughs> just throwing money and gambling in a way and just hoping the stock goes up. Yeah. Just to add one more point on Lawrence, your checklist is like how, how quickly you also retrade your product and readjust based on the needs. That might drive quite a bit of traffic at the same time, you know, having understanding about what change and what not uh, from the early days. Okay, welcome back, Tyler. Yeah, sorry about that. I uh, I don't know what this will turn out in the recording. <laughs> uh, this is the first time that we've had a problem uh, really throughout this whole time. So uh, I hope I don't hop off again. I'm, I'm nervously watching my internet uh, and I uh, hope that that doesn't happen again. So um, I missed something. I probably missed some context. I, I don't know what else, you know, for me, I guess, you know, just one other part is, you know, you want to have really good people on your team and like it or not, um, you know, funding is an indicator that you're going to be there for a while and that you've got support and validation. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, we're lucky to have a group of, I would not say misfits. I don't know who you are. I appreciate you all. Um, but, uh, you know, a group of people who are willing to, you know, come in at an early stage when an investment wasn't actually, I mean, we had some small things through grants, but, um, there's a lot more certainty that you're going to be able to work on something you're passionate about for a long time. And if an investment, uh, comes in. And so there's a, there's a signal for recruiting, which is in a very important part of company success. And it's also a marketing signal and signal for legitimacy for companies who are working with you too. Um, so I think there is a lot of reasons there. I'm, you know, I'm not afraid to admit I've said in the past, it's not my, I've done, I've been very skeptical of it because I've had the education and I've been exposed to the, you know, the tough stories that you see. I've also been exposed to the, the good stories that you see. Um, but I think that a lot of people approach this kind of stuff without the, the scrutiny that's required or the thoughtfulness that's required in realizing the consequences of taking either path. And uh, so I've really tried to be careful and selective with how we're doing this. And I hope that it's setting us up for success, um, you know, and, and, and something that we're all going to benefit from. So um, we're at 1 p.m. here. I know we're got time. Uh, that's why, you know, we have a couple more minutes. I mean, Lauren, you have a very interesting, you have two interesting topics, um, but I'm uh, just trying to think of, I guess, what do you guys want to do here? We're at 1 p.m. We're at our hour, at our hour time. 
This is good. I mean, we can we can talk about the B two B opportunities, which I would like to address at some point. Uh, and 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 the, I think we also touch on 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 the previous office hours related to integrations and 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 how we can more scale the product with the available. Uh, even available products already exist in the market and how we can link with them and have the better solution for the user. So sounds like the whole office hours to be honest, uh, 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 to talk about that. So Lauren, I'll, I'll pass the mic to you. Uh, okay, uh, I just wanna actually bring up the uh, Create with Voice um, that you guys were talking about earlier this week. It seems uh, like even Nihal was putting some work into it. I was curious what Nihal was actually doing. I would say work, uh, you know, it's a very interesting rudimentary uh, system that we do. But if you go, I mean, if you go with create to create with voice right now, I mean, it's sort of counterintuitive. It doesn't even match what the name of the, the website is, but basically we've been playing around with some image generation. And one of the things that's been, you know, we've been trying to think about, which is like, how do you represent, for example, a conversation or a webinar or uh, a note that you've written like how do you represent that through imagery or like how can you summarize that and then there's like obviously very specific practical ways that we've looked at that through automatic summarization or the insights extraction that we're doing or running sentiment over it and finding the most positive and negative moments but we've also like you know we see a future where you know if done right there's this ways to sort of represent a conversation in a more visual way and this is i guess our first <laughs> attempt at it uh if you type something in you you might not you mean that the response that you get might not make that much sense but um it's using some of this sort of you know, some you know some machine learning models to basically generate a unique image based off a query or a sentence or a statement that you've put into this text box and very rudimentary um abstract right now but at some point you know, I think there's the opportunities to describe something and create something that represents that and it can be a powerful thing. So does that necessarily fit with our thesis of increasing revenue or decreasing costs right now? Not 100% sure. Um, I do think there's something really powerful around like even a couple of the ones that we've generated, I think are like, I would love to share this as a, a post on social media because when you see the image, you're like, holy crap, it just stops you. So when you're scrolling, you're like, whoa, what the hell is this? And that's uh, that's something alone is interesting, but I think there's still a gap. Create create an NFT for that. Don't put on the social media. Create yeah. an NFT yeah. for that and, and, and make it worth it. Do that's that. what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, Go. it just needs to become an NFT. Like yes. that, that's a whole other business. Like it yes, has nothing exactly. to do with it. Exactly. Convert, convert something into the business instead yeah. of uh, posting on the social media. That will change a lot of things. Even, I mean, people buy uh, uh, quite unique Nonsense. stuff because, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that's a very <laughs> high-impacted word, but because let's say if you, if you had yeah. something like that, Tara, and if you had created, let's say, either from our office hours or something, something else from someone else's office hours, and if you put it as an NFT, someone might, might buy as a 50K, 100K, you never know. I'll take it. I mean, we've seen a couple of sort of companies post similar things and the comments or the feedback on that has been, this is opening up a whole new world. Um, so it is really, it's really interesting. I mean, I'm, I feel like a little dumb in this of like, you know, not fully comprehending 
you know, comprehending the space. But if people truly do value it and see, you know, see it, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Um, so yeah, are crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 definitely someone. That, that's it. So, uh, you know, that was one of Nihal's things, you know, I, uh, I did a quick search for domains, um, didn't find anything that really stuck out. But anyways, there, you know, I think, you know, on top of the, the main work to do, we actually have a very imaginative team who enjoys experimenting. And the reason why we're doing this stuff is it's not just, this is not just a selfish, not, not that that's a selfish drive, but just not a, you know, uh, this, our only drive is not like professional business thing. We're very curious in this technology and the applications of it and the possibilities in the world and what the future may look like as technologies like this emerge. And so when I'm not working on speak, most likely I'm doing something in the same space because it's truly my passion. And, and I know that there's multiple people on our team like that. So Tim, Nihal, you know, that's all, I was a little left out of that one, but we did a little bit, a bit of experimenting with uh, the Create with Voice and image generation. And it produced some pretty cool results. We got some great images back already uh, based on some of the descriptions. So uh, you can let us know if you want to test that out at LR and the I did mechanical uh, elves in a DMT wonderland, and I was very happy with the results I got back. Uh, so <laughs> some pretty interesting stuff. Uh, uh, Neil had mechanical lions in a desert. Um, that was a pretty cool image that was generated too. So we had some fun just for a little bit at the start of the week. I think to that point, it's uh, like even sometimes, even if there are projects that aren't, necessarily directly related to your main product that you're building even if it's just a technology showcase right like i think there's power in that uh even if it's just from a slight buzz generation right like you you, you saw that uh like yesterday i think i posted that cap wing right their video editing software like they they just did it and i'm sure it was just someone on their team was interested in building it. They built it and shared it as under Capwing, right? But the odds of them maybe even integrating that into their system, maybe it's closer in line with what they do, um, but doesn't mean that the tech can't necessarily be useful um, on our end either. So. The only way to know is to get something out there and see, exactly. you know what exactly. I mean? A lot of yep, people yep. will just not even release anything or try and they'll never even know. So now, for example, you know, maybe, you know, we set, we see what kind of images that people are interested mm -hmm. in creating. And all of a sudden there's a pattern that emerges, or if I'm ever, you know, just as one example, there's a company that came to us and asked about how they're trying to represent language and iconography. So using icons to represent. So it, the idea was that the icons could translate across languages so that you didn't have to know the language, but the icon or imagery would still fit. And it's like, maybe this is too much of an extension right now, but is there an opportunity for image representation through generation like this to have an impact and actually be a solution instead of not just this fairyland abstract thing? So until you try, you don't know. Uh, a lot of things that I've, you know, even that we've gotten and figured out at Speak has because, uh, you know, we took a very small prototype and pitched it and it became something that people truly wanted. And so, uh, you know, that's <laughs> the plan with everything. <laughs> yeah. Test the water, see what happens. Yep. 
Makes yeah. sense. All good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, that's a good way to end uh, on the Friday. I didn't share. We didn't share any. We won't, didn't share any. I don't think I will pull any up. But it's pretty, pretty cool what uh, what has happened from from some of those. So um, you can check out Create with Voice. Tim would probably be horrified if uh, he found out that we were talking about this and that people might go to that because I think he was having a little bit of server load. <laughs> challenges on that if you did too many requests but if you do find your way there let us know what you think and share the image back with us we'd love we'd love to see it so um this is office hours 29 uh um thank you for anyone who watched who read who listened um appreciate you guys joining i'm sorry i popped out for a minute i hope this uh recording stays uh comprehensible i don't really know what happens but uh anyway, it was all good <laughs> i think so okay you guys are still talking i didn't expect to see you all there continuing to be honest i thought i had broken everything so thanks no no see. it was just a second it converted me as a host and uh and then you become a host as, as, okay. as you joined so it was all good. okay any last words then before we uh close the room no, pretty good. Uh, if you're watching and listening or uh, <laughs> uh, uh, any podcast, again, there's a little plug here uh, from my end on the technical team. If you're interested uh, to help us in any way on the technical end, you're welcome. I'm not a big believer of the, the, the role. Uh, it is more about your interest and your passion uh, to help the product. So uh, yeah, just send me a direct message or send us any of us an email uh, if you're interested to support any way you want to. Beautiful. Lauren, good. Likewise. Yeah. Okay. All right. Perfect. Okay. All right. Have a good Thank day. you so much, Liz. Bye.